Kate Richberg is an author, instructor, bead slinger, and jewelry designer. She's taught jewelry making for over 20 years in person and online, in addition to creating her own jewelry collections. In this episode, we have a lot of fun talking about Kate's creative journey with tips along the way, from mind mapping to how to make the perfect G&T, Kate's got you covered. Kate, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. We have known each other a long time. And it's gone from doing beaded jewelry to wire jewelry to metalsmithing. So I'm excited to talk about all the different things that you do. And I want to start out by presenting your Julia Child. <laughs> do you remember that time on Beads, Bubbles, and Jewels I introduced I, you and you just started as Julia Child? I do. I and Katie, thank you so much for having me. It's really, you know, we always have fun regardless of, like you say, whatever we're doing. And I'll tell you, I don't know what got into me that day. I remember we were on the set at Beads, Bobbles, and Jewels, and I just start, I don't know. She's one of my idols anyway. You do a great impression. And I think that part of it is we had talked about when you're presenting a jewelry project on camera, you often have, it's, here's the finished one we're going to make. Here's how you get started. Here's the middle part that you add on to one that you pull from below, right? And you're like, right. oh, it's Julia Child. <laughs> right. And and here we go. Yes. yes. No, it is it, it it is like a cooking show, you know, when we do those types of shows, or even like when you teach a class or whatever, you need to make it look effortless. But if you happen to stumble across the you know, along the way, you just keep going. That's right. And the greatest tradition. That's right. Well, and you've been teaching jewelry making for a long time. And in a lot of different settings, you talk bead store, beadjucation, beadshop.com. I'm sure there are others. So you've perfected how to to introduce students to the basic through mastering the techniques. Yeah. And that's really, I feel like that's my calling, you know? I mean, I would always tell people I would teach all day, every day for free if I could. Because sharing the jewelry love, I've been doing it since 1992, which seems like yesterday, but it's so not yesterday. Right. It can't so, have been that long ago. No, no, it hasn't been almost 30 years. And so, yeah, I just, I love, I, I love, that's my, that's my passion for sure, is sharing the knowledge around everything jewelry fabricating as you say all the way from metals down to beads and fiber and stuff like that so oh yeah we can't forget about the other things I see all the pictures on your Instagram of you sewing and doing all of these other amazing things yeah the term I I like well that's I always say I'll I'll sleep when I'm dead right Mm -hmm. I mean I've got I've got stuff to do right now but Mm -hmm. I call myself the the term I've created for it I call it being an omnicrafter so I like it you know you toss out like Kate quilling yes quilling I've done quilling Kate uh toll painting yes toll painted you know I don't know throw it an obscure crafting term and I am down with it so when did you know that jewelry would be your passion or maybe maybe it's better to say that jewelry would be your business which is also your passion well 
I think, you know, way back when I was a little girl, and those of you who have followed me for a while know that my blog is called We Can Make That at Home. And though my blog has been kind of like everyone's blog, no one's blogging right now, though, <laughs> though I think that blogs are making a resurgence. And I'm going to say too. that. And, and my blog will be making a resurgence, gosh darn it. Like LPs, blogs are coming back. Yes. Um, But I think, you know, when I was little, that was our mantra in our household, you know, with my grand, I was raised by my grandparents and, and, you know, my, my, my mom being raised by the same people who raised my mom, it's made my mom and I like almost carbon copies of each other, which is awesome. So grant, I would say to grand, I would say, you know, grand, I, I, I want some doll clothes, you know, for my doll or whatever. And so, you know, when we go to the store, cause we lived kind of out in the country and then it was kind of a big deal, you know, we're grand when we go into town. Um, I, 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 I'd like to look at the, the doll clothes and she'd look at me and she'd go, oh, no, honey. Now we're going to make those doll clothes at home, honey. We don't need to go out and, and buy clothes. And so my grand, our family was Sicilian, but they, they came from Italy and they settled in New Orleans. So she had this loving New Orleans way of saying, there's no way in heck we're going to buy yeah. your doll clothes today. So you're going to, you're going to learn how to use that. So sort machine. of soften so, the blow, right? Soften the blow with the, Oh, honey now. <laughs> so I guess I was always creative right? I think that some of us are born with this creative gene that goes into hyper overdrive. And I think I was one of those people. So when I graduated from college and my degrees in theater arts from San Jose State, go Spartans, and I did my junior college days at Gavilan College, where I really honed my, my making gene, my Gavilan Junior College and Gilroy go rams maybe i don't even know what we were i'll <laughs> have to look that one up <laughs> yeah i don't know i think but but big props because um i was always fostered creatively not only from those teachers that i had um in junior college marilyn abed cardinelli and still a good friend of mine and someone who set so many of us gilroyans onto our creative paths so between those teachers my grand my mom who was just a creative powerhouse I knew that creativity was always kind of my gig, right? But then you graduate from college. Like, I don't know if you had this experience, Katie, but you know, you're in college and everyone's like, yeah, you're the best and you're great <laughs> at what you do. And then you go out in the real world and you're like, yeah, you're not so great. <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, you're kind of like everyone else. So I had a little bit of a panic attack. You know, I worked in the Bay Area theater scene for a while and I thought, gosh, I should have been a business major. What was I doing? Oh man, I'm. <laughs> I feel like so many of us thought that have had that thought. Right? <laughs> like I know how to do my art, but how to make a living out of this? What? How to make a look right? Or where's my health? No one said I had to get my own health insurance. Hang on <laughs> a second. So I went to uh, a temp agency because you know back then in in the, the good 90s. Early 90s, right? Then the 90s. The I did at least. I went to the temp agency and I'm all, hey, I'm Kate Richburg and what ready kind of job do you have for me? I'm ready. <laughs> so, and it was kind of like auditioning, right? Though I was back of house and not front of house when, uh, when I was in my theater world. So, um, though I have trod the boards a couple of times, but. Um, Which is fun so, too. 
right? But they sent me over to Apple Computer. And those were kind of the in-between times, the in-between times when Steve Jobs left and before he came back. And, and I was an early computer adopter, right? My roommate in college had, I don't know, it was like maybe an Apple II or it might have, it was the, t- the square, those of you can't yes. see that I'm motioning to Katie, but this like little box of, of, of Apple computer. And so I was kind of an early adopter. So I was all, yeah, heck, I'll go to Apple. And so I did some customer support at Apple for a while. And then, um, and this is in 92. And then I realized I started looking out the window a lot in my cube. And I'm like, what was I? I cannot work in a cube the rest of my life. I can't. I can't. So back to the temp agency? Yeah, well, no. So back to having lunch in your cube and looking at the one ads, because again, that's how the kids did it back then, right? right? You didn't (laughs) go on like a deed or whatever the job sites are now and, you know, post your resume and be all, hey, I'm awesome. Get your highlighter ready. Right? Yeah, (laughs) you look through the one ads. It was like, you know, that movie, if it was a scene in the movie, I would be Kate circling the one ads and crossing out the one ad and circling and crossing (laughs) out, right? So, uh, there was in the one ad section, there was a uh, something that caught my eye and it said, the bead shop is hiring. And I went, okay, this, there's all kinds of questions I have here. One, there's a shop that's just beads. I want to know what that's all about. Number two, maybe I can get a part-time job and go back to school and maybe get my master's, maybe get my MFA, maybe do something that you know, is in the art related field, because I loved, um, I loved teaching. I taught children's theater for many years when I was a youngin in my college years. Um, And I thought, so teaching, so I had this feeling that teaching was something that I wanted to do. But I hadn't worked out how I was going to connect that to my creativity gene. So I called the beach, I said, all right, you know, I'll bite. Great. So I'm still at lunch, still on Apple, still, you know, sorry, kids, Apple, if you're listening, I guess I owe you for that phone call from (laughs) that I made from my desk to um, the bead shop of Palo Alto. And so fast forward to they hired me and fast forward to right away that first day I remember. So I quit. I walked into my supervisor's office or my team member or whatever you call it. And I said, so I'm, I want to give my notice. And they're like, wait, what? what?" And I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to go off and do this. And they're (laughs) like, wait, what? I'm all, okay. They're all good luck, Kate. And I'm all, okay, thanks so much, everybody. And, uh, and I left Apple. So, and, but you know, I've got my iPhone sitting right here. So good job guys. Great, strong work. Yeah. Good marketing. Good marketing, but I moved on Um, and I thought, you know, I'll get my feet wet in this job and then I'll start applying to grad schools and then I'll, I'll make my life plan. Well, what I got my feet wet with was, uh, with like wire wrapping, I could seriously remember the first day. So what they would do. So they put me behind the counter at the bead shop in Palo Alto and someone put a pair of rosary pliers in one hand and a spool of wire in the other. And I remember our class director at the time, she was really nice. Her name was Mia. And she goes, okay, Kate, I'm going to show you how to do this. And she showed me once. 
right? She said this and she goes, now let's take it in steps. And I'm like, oh, I already had this bead wire wrap. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, you're a natural. And I went, Guess yes, you know how to do this. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so, uh, so that was it. So our class director left at the end of the year, um, that year in 92. And our owner, Janice Parsons, came to me and said, Kate, you seem to have an affinity for this bead thing. Um, do you want to start teaching classes? And I said, heck yeah, I do. And so that was, so I was there 10 years and I developed our class program from, you know, just like a pearl knotting and stringing techniques kind of gig to things all the way from we taught everything metal smithing precious metal clay we taught a variety of seed bead anything that was you know vaguely even vaguely bead related um we taught and at the height of our game we had three locations and people would travel from all over the world to take our classes and it was pretty cool so um so i never really looked back i mean you know i never went back to school i never um continued um, on that path, but I did find the perfect mesh between my creative life and my love of sharing knowledge. So for sure. And I think you have, I know that you teach from time to time about marketing, which we'll talk about in a bit, but, um, you asked people to examine what was the fork in the road that took you down this path that you're on now Yeah, and beyond even thinking through it through your accomplishments. It also helps you distill your style, your brand, knowing yourself um, kind of leads to how you develop your brand. Yeah, no, exactly. And you have to, you know, I don't always like to look inward. I don't know if anybody likes to reflect on themselves, or at least I don't, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't want to examine that too much. But you kind of have to dig deep sometimes, right, to figure out what your jam is right what's your deal you know why are you doing this um and and what's your aesthetic and what what brings you the joy and i know now you know we the trend is to look around your house and what doesn't bring you joy to kind of throw it out the window and i have a lot of things in my house that bring me joy so so i <laughs> i keep it all but i think that's really true as well as an artist and especially as an artist in something that's so tactile and tangible as um as jewelry you know it brings us a lot of joy to work with our hands so um so honoring that and letting that flourish i think is like your first step and whether you're a hobbyist or a professional the outcome is kind of the same if you love it um see where it fits into your life and go forward with it you know mm -hmm. Well, and I think when you do start selling your work, having it be a reflection of your personal style is what connects your real buyer, your core buyer. I yeah, mean, I'm, exactly. I've made lots of things that I didn't necessarily connect with. I made it for somebody else, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, there is yeah. that. But, yeah. you know, when you're really looking at, okay, what's my thing and how am I going to make it my own? You really do, I think, have to have to think about that part that sparks joy. Yeah, for sure. I love what you're doing right now with layering a lot of metal things together and you're a pro at soldering. You've taught tons of people how to do soldering. Yeah. To me, it seems like a new aspect of your work where you're doing some stamping, you're doing um, adding pre-made metal components, mm -hmm. your own metal components, die cutting. I mean, you're bringing it all together. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I think so 
we talk about since I've been teaching since 1992, right? Well, I also, like when people ask me about my book about simple soldering and my other book, Metal Smithing Made Easy, which we can talk about again a little bit later, but I think this is a good example. People will ask, well, Kate, how long did it take you to write that book? And I'm like, it took me my whole life. It's took 20 me my years. Career. Yeah, 20 <laughs> years, right? 30 years. Yeah. And so when people ask about my jewelry, because I've always sold some jewelry, right? And I've always kind of had that, like when I had my store, Bidissimo in San Francisco, we sold a ton of jewelry um, out the door, but it wasn't really like Kate Frant Richburg branded, you know, it was the store branded and, and, and I'd have like my staff loved making earrings and, you know, they knew it was going to be a great day when Kate came up with the muffin tin that had pairs of beads in each little <laughs> muffin tin and handed it to them and said, you know, I need 12 earrings in the next hour. And people will be, oh, yes, let's do it. You know, so it's a beating frenzy, a true beating right, frenzy. Literally a beating frenzy. So, but making that leap of branding jewelry under my own name um, felt um, scary. I, I want to say scary, kind of, right? Well, you're because putting yourself out there in a different way. Yeah, in a different way. And so I have had my website and have had, you know, the ideas for my branding and all of that kind of stuff for years, really. I remember, you know, because again, back with my own store and, you know, have the brand and the look. So, but really in the past, I'd say three years, I finally had something to say with my jewelry right? Finally let my love of vintage, my love of metal, my love of, I don't know, treasures, treasure boxes, all of that kind of finally coalesced in me and now comes out in the jewelry, the textiles that I'm making. So you really have to listen to that inner voice. And sometimes you have to make some dogs, I have to make some jewelry that <laughs> that isn't great, you know, to, but get past that, get it out of your system, do it, you know, who cares? Necklaces are just necklaces. You can cut them up and put the beads back in your bead boxes and, and, and use them again, right? Give yourself permission to try and fail and, and start to develop that line because my line was not created overnight. It is accumulation of all of these years of taking in technique and look and feel and theme and I don't know just kind of the general feeling you know that I get when I look at my collection of jewelry as a whole yeah I can see how you might have had to shed some of what you learned too yeah because it wasn't a part of your voice yeah. you know like letting go of some of the things that you don't do anymore or that yeah. just aren't that just aren't your jam like you said yeah. You know, and, and really working within your voice. Yeah. And there's still lots of variety there. It's not like it makes it smaller. I think in a lot of ways, it's sort of like poetry, how the you have to use compact words to get your point across in a really visual way. It's the same yeah. kind of thing, you know, even though you may be reducing, well, you're not going to use every single technique in the book. These are right. your techniques, you know, and then working within that can be really powerful. Yeah, it can. And I think having too many choices or having too many looks or whatever, just things aren't 
yeah, they don't coalesce very well. But I do get to scratch that itch. Like, you know, I'm not, people don't look at me and go, oh, Kate, you're known for seed bead work, right? I, I'm not a seed beater, but I dig seed beads, right? And I like stitching, you know, because I like textile work. I like sewing. So yeah, if I want to make a peyote stitch bracelet, that's awesome. And I put that in my teaching area, right? That goes to great. I can teach inspiration. To, yeah. Mm -hmm. Teach people how to use peyote stitch or mix it with metals or, you know, teach them how to do writing a weave. You know, I have all those skills in my bucket. And I think that goes back around way back around for turning the ship around to my word omnicrafter because mm -hmm. every creative experience that you have i think as an artist and i'm gonna not even put artist in air quotes i'm just gonna say artist because you know whether or not that you paint a little bit maybe you cook a little bit maybe maybe you like to alter your clothing or maybe you express your art through you know how you present yourself to the world through your clothes or your jewelry or whatever all of those i think are branches on your artistic tree so it's cool to give yourself permission like you know one day i might just say you know what i want to do a little paint it like i went through this decoupage phase i don't know what i was thinking same but, you know right <laughs> who has it who has it out there um you know tried to get that lid off the mod podge tried to pry that off but but it helps you to train your eye. So, so what if you slap those fruit labels down on some boxes and paint it over them with some glue and then put your it's mail fun. in it, right? Yeah. It was fun, you know? So, right. so all of those artistic steps that you take, I think help to hone your craft, regardless of what your craft is at the time. Yeah. Well, it's all expanding your creativity. Mm -hmm. which is only going to come out in your work. I should point out that you have uh, two separate websites, I mean, and many other things online as well. But for you personally, you do make a distinction between your instruction website, katerichberg.com, and your jewelry side. Mm -hmm. So you have your instructor side and your jewelry side. Mm -hmm. Is it a conscious choice when you're working on developing your branding to maintain that distinction? Or do you find that the lines are getting more crossed? It's a great question. And it's something that I've actually been grappling with right now. Um, because I could go one way or the other, right? Everything could go under one umbrella. And I get and that umbrella, I guess, is me, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like, and I have some cross posts on them, right? Like on katerichberg.com, you can find my books and you can find like, where I'm teaching though now I'm only really teaching on zoom but you know when we go back out um eventually knock wood and go back out and travel and teach or whatever that looks like that all falls under that umbrella and then the jewelry I almost feel like I put on a different hat when I make my jewelry that I am Kate Richburg jewelry designer you know one of the jokes that um back when metalliferous was in new york and you guys will remember this metalliferous is a is a was a supply house old school right new york supply house that supplied metals and all kinds of stuff right and so when you went to manhattan and that was one of the places that you go in your pilgrimage right you'd go to metalliferous and you'd 
look at metals and look at the random stuff they had there. And so I went with a friend of mine and she said, Kate, I'm going to take you to Metal Lifers. And I'm all, okay, super, it's great. I'm stoked. So we went in and she knew the guy behind the counter. And so she introduces me and she says, and this is Kate Richberg and she's a jewelry designer. And he took one look at me. He looked at me up and down. And he goes, yeah, they're all jewelry designers. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, And I was all a, what an amazing New York experience. I was totally. like, you know, super stoked. <laughs> well, yeah, tell me again. Tell me, tell me that again. And then where can I get good deli? And so, um, and so, but that still resonates with me. It's like, yeah, they're all jewelry designers. Right. So I try and honor that designer part of me and and maybe it's taken me this long maybe it's taken me 25 years to say you know what i make really great jewelry and people like buying it who knew right so <laughs> Here you thought you were helping people create their own but right? you've also accidentally created a market of people who just love you and want to right work. And, right want to buy the jewelry so so i think that so i think that's why i still have kind of this these two places in the world where I have a teaching world and a designer world. And maybe someday they'll come closer together. I mean, they're inching a little bit closer together, but my vibe with my jewelry, I like to call it a vintage modern vibe, right? I use a lot of, I use like all my tools are vintage practically that I use and um, I use, you know, and kind of the aesthetic or the sense that I'm, that I like to create kind of has kind of a, an old school kind of feel. And I do a lot of things by hand, you know, I, I'm just, that's just, it's pleasurable. I, I like that. In my teaching, I feel like when I teach, I'm like on the cusp, I'm like on the avant-garde of teaching. I'm like, I, I embrace technology. I embrace, you know, all the new tools. Let's see if we can find a tool that makes this easier. How can I, you know, teach people how to, you know, really be efficient as they work. So I think I, I have this kind of like, you know, slow laid back feeling to my jewelry. And then when I teach, I'm like, all right, let's, let's get her done kind of thing. So maybe that's also why I'm kind of in those two worlds. Yeah, it's your analog digital split right. there. Yeah, calling from my home phone or my cell phone or my land <laughs> landline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about branding and how um, you have some tools that you use in class and other elsewhere to teach people how they can, you know, get with their hear feel of their inner voice, develop their own brand, and one of them is making a mind map. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, I kind of teach, I teach this 60 minute business workout, right? And I've taught it at different shows and I've taught it for different like groups of people. And because marketing and branding has always been something that kind of floats my boat. I, I just, I, I like thinking about yourself as, as, you know, the whole package. And maybe that comes from my theater days, right? When you're in the theater, they call you a triple threat, right? If you can dance and sing and act. Well, I can't do any of those. So I was no threat whatsoever. So that's why I was in the costume shop. Yeah, I can't carry a tune in a paper bag. But I'll tell you, I do like the idea of being the total package, right? So thinking about your marketing and 
and that way in the total package, I think is a good way to get started. And so I, I stumbled across this concept of making a mind map. And what mind map is, and I do this, and I'm holding this up because Katie and I are doing this over Zoom. You guys can't see it, but I have a big gold book, right? And I'm flashing this at Katie right now. And that gold book, and I go through different journals and stuff. Currently, I have this big gold book. But I would write down like all of my ideas or I'd write down, um, you know, just ideas for designs or whatever I wanted to remember. And so when I stumbled across this mind map concept, it really clicked with me because I'm not a very good linear note taker. Like remember when you were in school and you kind of maybe look over your left and the person taking notes next to you is like they're all color coded and they're all ABC'd and bulleted. And I'm like, I, I don't have that skill. And right? you're making an art journal over there with your geography <laughs> notes. Totally, <laughs> totally. And I'm like, I've got to have some stickers here somewhere put on here. Let me draw with my highlighters. But the mind map concept really resonated with me. So essentially what it is, is it's a graphical way to represent ideas and concepts. So it's a visual thinking tool that is used to lay out information to help you, the creator, to better analyze or comprehend or synthesize or recall or whatever, however you generate your ideas, right? So essentially what you do is you get a piece of paper or a piece of butcher paper or a tiny little um, index cards or whatever you like to use. Then you start in the center with whatever that is. So maybe in the center of my mind map is I want to start a website. Okay. That's the big thing. So you write that in the center. Then from that center bubble or square or whatever you draw around it, or maybe you don't, you make some little hash marks, some little lines from there. And each line is another not so big idea, but maybe it's a smaller idea to get to that step. So let's say I want a website and then maybe one of your little branches will be, I need a URL or do I have a URL? Um, and then maybe another branch would be, do I have a business name? And another branch maybe is who's going to host my website or, you know, so all of these things. And then you take one of those branches. So let's say I want a website. And then I say, do I have a business name? Then from the, do I have a business name? Maybe there are little branches that come out of that and say, okay, Kate Richburg Jewelry Designs or Kate's Jewelry or Kate's Jewelry Box or, right? So you kind of write those there. And then maybe on the other one that says, who hosts my website? Maybe you do some little branches that say, I'm gonna look at this website host or this website host and this website host. And then from there you go, oh wait, hold it. I, I don't even know, how am I gonna build my website? So then you get another big you know, concept from, I want a website. Then you look over, you know, you make another little branch that says, Who's going to host it or how am I going to design it or whatever. So at the end, what you have is a sheet of paper that has all of these concepts on it and nothing is wrong. Like when I make a mind map, nothing is off limits. It's brainstorming. Yeah, it's brainstorming. Exactly. Like when you had your creative writing class in college, I remember my creative writing teacher and I think I was a little bit too much of a creative writer for this guy. But <laughs> 
you went with it. A little too creative there. <laughs> a little Never. too creative. So, all right, Katie. That's what I was, Katie. All right, Katie. Well, let's try and focus those ideas, shall we? <laughs> all right. Well, we'll try. But that is what is useful for the mind map is that you can then look at your most immediate goals and create a plan. Right, exactly. So you just translate everything and then you can cross out things that don't work for you. And then you can translate that mind map into some action plans. And this sounds very like lofty, like, you know, oh, and then I'll have an action plan or whatever that the, oh, an action plan means you get out another piece of paper and you write down what you're going to do. <laughs> right. I mean, right. it's nothing that's super fancy. So you just start to make your goals. And, you know, if you don't, have a timeline. Don't burden yourself right away with, I'm going to have my website up and running in two months and I'm going to have it stocked with, you know, product and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You know, take all of those steps because that mind map will give you like 500 things to put on your to-do list. And then you just have to start organizing. Like they say in corporate speech, right? Punch a hole in it, right? Pick something and punch a hole in it. So same thing with this. Pick one thing and 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 get it going. So start where you are. Yeah, start where you are. Exactly. Yeah, it's so true. I love mind mapping up on the wall where I can see it all, like on a whiteboard. So yeah. fun. And then when you're sick of it, you can erase it. And yeah. start <laughs> right. <laughs> you can just erase it and start over. Something I also utilize a lot now are the notes in my phone. Um, Me too. I use my so phone helpful. notes. It is. And I can just, I don't even type into it anymore. I just really just talk into it. And then I can export that into a doc, a Word doc or a Pages doc or whatever. And I can then organize it. And then I can send it back to my my notes. So I don't know. It's, it's the modern it's, dictaphone. Yeah, it's crazy all of these things that are coming to the fore. And that's how I write now, how I write all of my instructions. Um, I don't write them down anymore. I do it through my phone. Oh, so as I'm, making, as I'm making the piece, I'll say, I'll turn on my phone, my, you know, my, my notes or voice to text or whatever. And I'll say, step one, uh, measure a blank one inch in length by two inches in length and set it on your workstation take your thing, you know, I'll just talk my way through it. And then I'll periodically stop and I'll look and then I'll go, okay, great. Stop it again. Then I'll hit return and start it up again. And so then I've got like this long, when I'm done, I've got all these steps and I just export it right into whatever document I'm doing. I do a lot of my writing now in the cloud and I'll use like Google docs or whatever. So I don't accidentally lose it. Ask me, how I learned that um, lesson. I have a feeling we learned that the same way. Right. <laughs> and so it all lives there. So like, if you say, Kate, you know, or I'll say, Katie, I want to send you this over to look at, I don't have to email or anything to you. I can just send you the link. You can look at it, you can mark it up and you can send it back. Um, that's how I learned when I wrote my first book, I wrote it all in the cloud because I was deathly afraid. Oh my gosh, I'm going to start writing this book. What if I lose it? Right. So right. I started doing that in 2012. 
um, and things have gotten a lot more sophisticated now, but I've been doing all of my handouts and stuff like that. They all live in the cloud and I can pull them down from wherever I are, wherever I are, wherever I'm at, <laughs> wherever well, I am. And it's so helpful, especially when we are traveling and back on the road to teach. You know, I found myself in a lot of cities a lot of times without the right set of instructions or whatever. And if it's in the cloud, you're good. Yeah, you're golden. You don't have to call your husband at midnight and go, remember that what I was working on? He goes, I can't work your computer. And I say, no, just let me walk you. Just, just get this to me. <laughs> so yeah, that is all gone <laughs> the by glamorous the glamorous life of the traveling yeah, instructor. That's right. Oh man, so many stories. What do you like to listen to when you're working in your studio? Well, you know, sometimes I'll just put like an old favorite movie on and just listen to the the audio and stuff. But, you know, I'm funnily enough, since we're doing a podcast, I'm also really into podcasts right now. And I've listened to all of yours and they're awesome. And so I, I don't know, it feels like stories, right? It feels like you're in the same room with someone telling you a story, which I guess you are. So I have this one and I don't know if anyone has listened to it. I like things that are kind of about history, right? And stories about that. There's this one that's called Wind of Change. And so the premise, and I'll just tell you, and if you guys like it, go and listen to it. So it's about right after the Berlin Wall fell. And so, you know, the Scorpions, the rock group, the Scorpions, right? I don't yes. know if you do, but right. Shout out to little. right? Scorpions were big at Gilroy High. Um, and so they came out with kind of this ballad called Wind of Change. And so this whole conspiracy theory rose up that this song wind of change was actually used to bring down the berlin wall how cool it's this crazy like ride between like you know rock star travels to kind of intro it's so i don't know if you're into that um but it's it was totally a riveting listen to me. So wind of change. And then I'm also big into stuff you missed in history class. Those are my two go-tos. That seems right up your alley. Yeah, it so is. I like a story. Cool. I've been listening to Courtney Gray's podcast with Rio called For the Love of Jewelers. Yes. And it's also interviews with artists and, you know, tips for just how to embrace your creativity and jewelry making it's fun yeah no it's great and I think a good balance of you know listening to creative people chat and I don't know listening to stories that kind of take your flight of fancy and imagination places I think is cool I always love a good yarn I do too I'll tell you we're going to have to have you back to talk another time but I also before we go want to hear you have Spotify playlists for your classes, which I think is so fun. So if anybody wants to follow you on Spotify, they can listen to your playlist. You have tons of classes and patterns online. You can find me on Spotify. You can just follow me at Kate Ferrant Richburg. And I have a great one called Bead Companion Uptempo. And it's just, I don't know. It's just kind of songs that make me happy and there's no rhyme or reason to them so have no expectations kids it goes from i'll tell you two of them it goes from the streets of bakerfield bakersfield with dwight yoakam and buck owens all the way to joe jackson stepping out there's right there's Fun. big it's it's vast but i did want to mention you can find um a lot of my classes i've got some great classes on craftsy <clears throat> you can find them there you can find 
my books. If you go right to my website, katerichberg.com, there's all kinds of links there, learning links. And my YouTube channel at Kate Richberg, um, I do a lot of great demos and stuff that I toss up over there. And you're more than welcome to join me on my Facebook group, Create with Kate Richberg. Awesome. And also your classes and patterns and other things are available at Interweave. So they people are. can check it out there too. Yeah. I, I do not want to forget, you know, Interweave was, uh, was awesome. My, my book and you guys have, Interweave holds a special place in my creator's heart for sure. Aww, same. Um, do you have a signature cocktail for us today? I know my girl likes to party. Well, so let me tell you what, um, my husband, Chris, uh, was in the wine and spirits world for a long time. And so he's kind of like the cocktail maker in our house. So I have two, I love a simple gin and tonic, right? But I'm kind of particular. I want a London dry gin. And I want a simple tonic. I don't want any of these fancy tonics that are like, you know, have all of this business about them. I want a simple London dry gin, like a beef eater or a tanqueray. And I want a simple tonic like Canada dry. And then I want that lime to be perfect and juicy. And I want that glass to be filled with ice. That's what I want. Simple pleasures. <laughs> I was I really I'm simple focused. soldering simple pleasures <laughs> you asked me and I went right to I want that don't screw with my G&T kids don't. it's the first Keep drink I, that's right it's the first drink I ever ordered in a bar too was it I'll have a G&T please and then I waited for them to ask for my ID, ID and <laughs> then I guess when you order it like a G&T so directly they don't ask for your ID so I was a little sad about that that's funny. Oh, well, thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate you and your time today and sharing your creative ideas and business tips. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that kind of my crazy journey um, helps to inspire people. And Katie, you have always inspired me and it's always been such a pleasure to work with you on all of these fun things that we have. So it feels like a little slice of home sitting down with you to have a chat. Right back at you. Well, thanks again. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and review Jewelry Artist on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Jewelry Artist is a production of Golden Peak Media and Interweave. It's hosted and produced by me, Katie Hacker. We had help from Tamara Hahnemann and Merle White with special thanks to the team at Lapidary Journal Jewelry Artist Magazine. This episode was recorded and edited by Chad Franzen. Our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.